One big piece of advice that both Nikki and I agree on, something that was really hot last year, chances are it's not going to be really hot this year. So don't look back and say, oh, last year this was a chase. Obviously, keep an eye out for it and, and scan it. But nine times out of ten, retailers are smart. The things that sold really awesome last year, toys, specifically specific toys that sold last year, may not be as great this year. So don't go in deep if all of a sudden you see something and you remember last year it was a chase. Hi, and welcome to Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk, aka Your Selling Guide. I'm a small town girl who took a big risk and quit a steady corporate desk job to travel the US in an RV. Along the way, I started selling on Amazon, grew a seven-figure business, visited all the lower 48 states, bought a farm, and today I am still doing what I love to do, selling on Amazon while helping other sellers do it too. Each week, I will share Amazon tips and tricks and bring in guests to share their stories, expertise, and tips on the platforms that they use. Think of this as a sit down with your Amazon bestie where you can learn, ask, start, and grow your online selling business. Welcome to Your Selling Pod. Hey crew, and welcome back. On today's episode, we are continuing with our Q4 prep series, and today I have with me six-figure profit seller, Becky Stillman. Now, Becky started Amazon in 2020, and by 2022, she was pulling that six figures of profit, which I hope is everyone's goal out there. I mean, I know it's mine. So thank you so much, Becky, for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Hey, everyone. We're going to hop in with some questions. So I asked on YouTube, on my Instagram, and throughout my community of Facebook groups, what questions you have about Q4. So we're going to start with Zachary. Zachary asks, are there any particular points in Q4 where you feel the busiest? Because I'm trying to plan out my Q, my PTO for the rest of the year. So when it comes to uh, Q4, it really ebbs and flows. I find um, there's an initial, you know, it starts to really speed up towards the end of September. Um, you really start to notice an increase in sales. Last year, I think the increase kind of started a little bit after the beginning of October, but typically, you know, the last quarter of September, it starts to roll. The massive, when I looked at my sales last year, I had a massive jump the week after Halloween. So pretty much like the week of October 31st and forward, there was a, a you know, 40% increase in my sales. And um, that really continued. It was it was nonstop from then on. Um, so there's not a real peak per se. It just pops up and, and stays up there. Obviously, the week before Christmas, if you do FBM, it's massive. The days before Christmas is massive, especially if you do like seller fulfilled. But really, you know, after after Halloween is when it really starts to ramp up. Yeah, that's what I found the same because we all get excited for Q4 and then Q4 starts and it's like, wait, what was all the excitement about? It really does yeah. take a little bit. And Halloween is a huge moneymaker of a holiday. And it's like after Halloween, something like clicks in everyone's mind and they're like, oh, okay, now it's Christmas and we got to right. go out shopping and get all the stuff. Um, so I found that what, what I hear a lot from other sellers is they run out of stock towards the end of November and early December if they didn't plan enough stuff. But I know, and you do this as well, that like by the time December hits, we're just so tired, but you can't yeah. stop because that's when most of your money is made. 
Yeah, that's when it's easy. That's when, you know, you can walk into a store, a Walmart, a Target, a whatever, and pay sticker price on the shelf for something and flip it for a profit. That's like the good old days of, of selling on Amazon. But it's it makes it, you know, it, your job's a little easier. You have to contend with the crowds. You have to contend with the lineups, the checkout lineups. But that's when the easy, easy money is to be made. But we're all so dang tired at that point. Yeah, I would say if I was going to take time off um, specifically for Amazon selling, I mean, if I had a nine to five that I was going to take time off of to do Amazon, I would say the first two weeks of December or that second and third week of December is what I would plan on. Um, yeah. And then I know I personally like that week of Christmas all the way through like the first week of January, I just am not, I'm not really sending in shipments anymore. I am relaxing yeah. because it is tough out there at Q4. Like you are going to be nonstop running. You're even going to have FOMO, even though you're working all the crazy hours sourcing yeah. and shipping, you'll still have FOMO because you feel like there's more you could do. It's just a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I highly recommend if you haven't done FBM, get into it now early because that is where the top dollar money is to be made for Q4, all that last minute stuff. Make sure you're comfortable with it. Make sure you've got your shipping templates and everything set up because that's when, you know, if you're an FBMer, that's when I would take the time off as well. If you're more of an FBA person, maybe, you know, around Black Friday and prior to Black Friday, I'm not big on the Black Friday sales at all. They get pretty flooded and tanked, um, the items that are on sale. But that is when there's a real, because people, you know, they think Black Friday shopping, they hit Amazon just as hard, even though Amazon pricing, you know, might not be the best deals, the Black Friday sales, people are still shopping. They're in the shopping mode right around that time. So that's also, if you're more of an FBA focused person, that's a great time to to really hammer down. Raven in the groups uh, said, I'm starting to look ahead to Q4 and was wondering, for those of you who have been through one before or primarily do FBM, how do you organize your inventory? <laughs> so this is funny because um, I now she shed where all my stuff is at and it was not organized at all. I have these like massive um, Tuesday morning bags, which rip Tuesday morning. But if you happen to get them while you had them. I would just put everything on the ground in the shed and that I have since organized my shed during that June challenge. That was one of my um, goals was to organize the shed. So now I have everything organized and just clear bins on shelves in there. And I know Becky, you have something similar. Yours is way more organized than mine is. Yeah, it's, it's big. Um, I've got uh, six big Costco shelving units, like the big, huge metal shelves. And we've got expiration dated products or grocery items, cosmetics, lotions, things like that on one side, and then toys and other general merchandise on the other side. It's all organized on the left side by date, expiration date. So I know like the expiration dated products are up front and center so I can see them. Um, all of my SKUs for FBM items are, they include the expiration date on them. So when I'm going through to do my repricing, I, I know that they're about to expire. Personally, I just did a massive clean out as well. Uh, my, my downstairs was, it looked like a bomb had gone off. I had a massive dead pile. 
So if anybody, you know, my number one thing is get in there now while things might be a little slower, um, get in, look at your FDM items, clear out what you can clear out, make as much room as you can, get yourself organized, get everything in a good place on your shelving. Um, if you do have shelving, really go through, get rid of dead stock, price older items to sell. Um, you want to free up as much capital going into Q4 because, you know, there is a ton of money to be made, but you also have to spend that money to make that money. So if you've got items that have been sitting stale on your shelves for a while, maybe look at pricing to move um, to be able to free up that capital to invest into Q4. Just trying to get yourself organized that way. I, You know, your shipping supplies, that's massive for FBM. Um, I've already started to order all of my shipping supplies, um, poly bags, boxes, really get more. If you think you need a thousand poly bags, order 2000, you know, really do more because there's nothing worse than having a chase. Um, and then you run out of poly bags and then you have to wait on Amazon or wherever you get your poly bags to deliver them. That is so funny because I literally, I've been saying that same thing. And it's funny because the, that video and that podcast is not yet out, but you literally said exactly what I said. So take it from two sellers. You want more yeah. than you think you are going to need. Yeah. Yeah. I've run out. I've run out myself and I buy, you know, thousands of boxes at a time. And, you know, UPS take advantage of their free shipping boxes. They've got two different sizes. The nine by six by three is my jam. They will send them when they have them available. So get in there. You can only buy 25 at a time get in there early. Uh, we had a, a tech deck chase a couple of years ago and those tech decks fit in those free boxes perfectly. And, you know, shipping a Christmas gift in a box is always better than shipping it in a poly bag mm -hmm. because you have to remember that that's going to be someone's gift under the tree. So just because you can get it to them in a poly bag or a padded mailer doesn't mean you should. So Julie from the Bolo group, shout out Julie, when should we start stocking, overloading our storefronts for the Q4 season? I don't overload per se. I just, I ship every week, but I really start to loosen up my ranking. You know, the ranks that I would typically purchase, maybe toys, I will loosen them up starting in September, late August, September, I'll, I'll venture into the higher ranks. You know, I don't just focus on toys because one of the big things during the holidays, think of what you need, you know, it, that's the best thing, you know, think of what you need when you're shopping for toys on Amazon and then you realize, oh, I need coffee too. I need deodorant. I need to put, you know, deodorant in my kids' stockings. I need, you know, boxers for my sons. I need whatever. Don't just focus toys, toys, toys. Um, think of everything, general household essentials. I did just as many of them last year as I did toys. So it's more than just toys. There's no easy answer. I would just start ramping up. You know, you'll mm -hmm. start to see an increase and just start ramping up. And if you've got that capital there to invest, do it and just keep flipping it. Flip it as many times as you can between now and Christmas and just keep growing. That's kind of how I am. I don't think of it as much as like I'm stocking because every shipment I send about the same amount of stuff. It's just that in September, I'm going to start sourcing every week. And so by that nature, there's going to be more stock because I'm constantly sending stuff in, whereas now I'm like every other week. 
So it's like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Plus, we're coming off of the summer. There's not necessarily as much stuff out there. And you'll just find the stores are because the stores themselves are getting ready. So they're going to have a yeah. lot more stuff. Julie has two other questions. Do prices remain high during Q4? And, one of, and what are some of the top selling items? I, I find that the prices tend to climb more or at least if they're not climbing more, um, they're a little more stable. They don't tank as quick because there's more, they're moving quicker before the tankers get the opportunity to go in there and drive the price down. There are some items that, you know, if you do find a toy that's a hot item that isn't able to be stocked in stores or is running out of stock in stores, the price will climb very high. Uh, there's no real way of predicting that. You just have to watch. If all of a sudden you've bought something and it sells real quick and you've, you've priced it high, anything I send in, I price higher. If it sells and it's like, okay, well, that sold quick, so I'm going to go buy more and I'm going to price it even higher. And it's, it's, you know, that's your way of making more profit. You want to milk as much profit as you can out. And this is the time of year where you're able to push those ceilings, those price ceilings up a little bit higher. You don't have that, you know, Tammy tanks a lot jumping on because you're selling so quick that even the tankers keep, tend to keep the price a little higher. A good example is, I think it was two years ago now, the Gabby's dollhouse. Mm -hmm. So it would you could have seen it in store and there would have been, I don't know, four on shelf or whatever. They were pretty big. And, but if you go in the next week and all four were gone, that would be a key indicator that that thing is probably very popular. And so mm -hmm. it was really popular and everyone was hunting them down and getting so excited and sharing in the group if they happened to find one. But then yeah. what happened was Amazon started capping the prices on it. So that became a whole thing. So there is a aspect of, things will go up in price, but Amazon might come in and say, whoa, 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 we're not going to let you sell it for $200. The most you can sell it yeah. for is like 130 or whatever. I can't, I think it was mm -hmm. like $70. Well, it was, it started at 60 and then I think they went up to set, it was 59 and then it went up to 70 and people were buying it based on being able to sell it for, you know, I think I went up as high as $189 on it. And then Amazon brought the ax down and you know, that's a, that's a, an excellent point. One thing to look at when you're looking at your prices and you see a hot item or an item that you know is more popular, if you look at your Keepa chart and you see that, you know, two days ago there was 150 sellers and then today there's only five, that's something that you need to keep in mind in addition to it possibly being an IP issue. But Amazon could have brought the hammer down on a price cap. So, um, something to always do a little way to test that is to to go ahead and try and list it FBM in store. Mm -hmm. You know, don't go ahead and go all the way through it. But Amazon will tell you once you put your price in and you go to um, it'll like it'll nine times out of 10, it'll tell you that that's higher than their suggested retail price. So don't just blindly go buy a, you know, a bunch of them and take them home. It'll just save you from having to go and return them. Yeah, um, I'm looking at what the sellers are currently selling it at is that like if if yeah. i see one seller was up to 200 then i know like it, okay that's as high as i can go and i also look at keepa especially if something's sold out when i scan it i'll look at keepa and look at the mm -hmm. historical offers and you can see what amazon allowed for that item so if i for example i saw a deodorant last week if the 
I wanted to know how much I could list it for. And the highest I saw was $20. Well, I got it for $10 and I'm going to have to ship that thing. So it's probably not a great Amazon's most likely not going to let me list it for a price that will make a profit for me. So you can use Keepa for all of that information. And if you're not familiar with Keepa and you're not comfortable with it, you really need to set aside a week and dive into it because it's going to help you so much in your Amazon business in general, but it's going to help you not make bad buys during Q4. Yeah, it's it's the number one tool in my business. I won't, I don't ever recommend a seller to be selling on Amazon without having Keepa. So not only are you looking at, you know, how often Amazon comes in stock, because you'll, you'll scan an item, you'll look at it and go, holy smokes, this is fantastic. It makes awesome profit. But then when you look at a Keepa graph, you see that Amazon's been in stock 99.9% .9 of the time, and you just happen to scan it the one day they were out of stock. And by the time you prep that item, put it in your shipment, Amazon's back in stock with thousands. So it helps you reduce that risk with your capital because nine times out of 10 Amazon's in stock at the price you've paid for it. So definitely take a look at your Keepa for everything. And if you don't, like Nikki said, if you don't have experience with Keepa, get on the Keepa train. Another question that Julie had and a couple of other sellers had was what kind of items sell the best? And it really, truly is everything. So obviously toys are going to be big, but you shouldn't just focus on toys mm -hmm. because my other top category was beauty. And yeah. you don't necessarily think of that, but everyone's buying everything during Q4. And so I just kind of add seasonal stuff into what I, whatever I'm already sourcing. But there really is like your top item might be a random kitchen utensil that has nothing to do with the holiday, right? So it's yeah. kind of everything goes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one one big piece of advice that both Nikki and I agree on, um, something that was really hot last year, chances are it's not going to be really hot this year. So don't look back and say, oh, last year this was a chase. Obviously keep an eye out for it and, and scan it. But nine times out of 10, retailers are smart. They see that the hype, like with the Gabby dollhouses that, that Nikki was talking about, if you look, they're on clearance all over the place now. They've flooded the stores already with them because they're trying to chase that whole demand that was out um, two years ago. And that demand was created by the lack of inventory. The things that sold really awesome last year, toys, specifically specific toys that sold last year may not be as great this year. So don't go in deep if all of a sudden you see something and you remember last year it was a chase. It could be something that ends up being overproduced. There's a lot of the time in the Q4 Bolo group, we'll all start chasing something, but we don't know what it is until like, so you can do all this on your own, right? You can be looking in the stores and you can be like identifying things. But most of the time, like the tech deck that Becky mentioned earlier, that was not something that I necessarily would have scanned or seen because actually Walmart put it in a random place. It was like in the stocking aisle, basically. And but for someone posted it in the group. And so now we're all on it. And because it's hard to find, I think, Becky, you didn't find them till like the last the week minute before. Yeah, it was literally like the last week before Christmas. And I bought the entire palette. And they all sold like I never would have. And like Nikki said, the location in the store wasn't with the toys. It was off in my in my store. It was in the garden center. So, you know, like where the, where the decorations are and things like that. And, you know, I never would have even thought of it, but it, it wouldn't, it wasn't until, you know, the, the Q4 Bola group, I ran out at 10 o'clock at night when I found it, they had stock at my one Walmart and went and 
filled a couple buggies with it. So, you know, that, that Q, shout out to the Q4 Bolo group, that, that thing, I made a lot of money off of leads to just things I, I couldn't scan because they were already gone off of my shelves. So I didn't even know it was a chase until someone in the group said it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, cool. And the, the profit to be made from that was insane. I sold them all in like two days, an entire pallet. That was you know, fun that, times. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I only got one, only one store out of all the Walmarts around me. I've got probably 12 different Walmarts within a 40 minute drive and only one store ever got stock in them. That was it. And I bought that entire pallet. No one had even touched it and it was gone in two days. So that was massive. Set your shipping. That's one thing, actually your shipping template. If you look in your shipping settings, there is a limit that you can set for the amount of FBM orders per day. If you don't have help, if you're trying to work full time and do Q4, an awesome suggestion is limiting the amount of FBM orders you can get. Because I listed this entire palette and it was, I was getting over 200 orders per day. I have full-time help to prep my FBM and ship my FBM orders. If you're trying to hold down a nine to five and do this, that's something you need to consider. So all of a sudden you don't come home from work and have to stay up until three o'clock in the morning packing orders. Ben Pickles asked from YouTube, which kind of, we touched on this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you tend to focus sourcing on different products during Q4 versus what you would source for the rest of the year? I, so I kind of mentioned this, I source my regular stuff. So it's, it kind of changes throughout Q4. So I'll source my regular stuff and add in those seasonal items that I start to see. So back to school this year is kind of a miss just because of the backpacks and lunch boxes, all wanting um, child testing certificates and all that kind of stuff. So that's not really my focus. So now I'm looking for Halloween first. So when I start to see Halloween, I'll start to scan that. But what happens as Q4 goes along, I've got my bolo lists that I'm using to go off of of what everyone else is finding and selling. And so it becomes more of a run in and grab stuff and go to the next store. Like you kind of get into the replen mode as Q4 goes on and you're not necessarily scanning. I mean, I am scanning new stuff that I see, but it's not as mm -hmm. much as the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Uh, one thing I do, you can't, avoid you know the little kids throwing their fits in the toy aisles i listen to them because if they're freaking out going oh my goodness look at this. like these certain toys i'm selling right now i've never heard of my kids are all older so you know the whole like coco melon and gabby and all that stuff that was i i didn't think about any of that but when you go to the store and you consistently hear these kids freaking out about a specific thing listen to them that's a you know or talk to your nieces talk to your nephews Talk to your friends' kids. You know, if you don't have younger children of your own, find out who the hot TV show is, what the hot movie is. But yeah, I'm the same. I, I source everything. Um, and then you get do get into replant mode. Like once you're selling things, it's easier to make your stop or to do like curbside pickup at these stores. Mm -hmm. If something you've purchased that you've scanned that's good, nine times out of 10, you can go to your curbside pickup and then it's easy peasy. It's, it's just saves you time. There's nothing quite like that sound of a new order coming through on your Amazon account. But do you know how much you're actually making on those orders? 
Your Selling Podcast is excited to partner with Sellerboard. Sellerboard is an accurate profit analytics for Amazon sellers as well as eBay. With just a quick login to the app or your dashboard on a desktop, you can see what your true numbers are for all of your Amazon orders by the day, week, or month. I love to use it to forecast out how I'm going to do that month and use it for my planning. Sellerboard doesn't just tell you your profit, though. They actually do so much more. So if you're creating a private label listing or you're making your own bundles, you can use Sellerboard to get reviews for your product pages. Sellerboard is a robust profit analytics tool, and I use it every day in my Amazon business. You can try Sellerboard yourself, connect it to your Amazon or eBay accounts, and see how it works for you. Get two months free by going to yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit. Again, that's yoursellingguide.com slash sellerboardprofit. Try Sellerboard today and get the true profit picture of how your business is doing. Maddie asks, how do you deal with the transparency code issue? So this is not necessarily Q4 specific, but I wanted to touch on it because it is a question that comes up a lot. So if you Google transparency code, you'll see what it looks like. It's basically a QR code that's on a product, usually by the UPC. It's a way for the brands and manufacturers and the retailers to track where it's been. I think it's because of all the looting that happened in... 2020, I think it was. I'm not really sure. That's my hypothesis on it anyways. But people are just tracking where the inventory is going and coming from. So as far as I'm aware, I've not had this myself. In the past, it was a hairdryer from TJ Maxx. And this was like, this was like a long time ago. I didn't even know they were becoming more of a thing at the time. But I just was like, I don't know what that is. And so I took it back to TJ Maxx. But now mm-hmm. I know how you do it. So you there is a transparency app you can get where you would scan the code and it'll tell you the serial number. And that's what Amazon wants. It wants either a photo or both, a photo of five of them. So you would have to have five of whatever that product is. And you just send it in like applying like you're getting ungated, basically. Only it's a lot easier. You're just sending in the photos or you're entering in those serial numbers from the transparency codes. Now, I have heard in the groups that it does happen that you might have to do it every time again i've not had it happen personally so i'm not 100 percent sure but becky do you have any yeah i've honestly i've only had it happen one time and it was for a um adidas atlanta braves hat or a nike atlanta braves hat and i personally was just i don't have the time or the patience to deal with stuff like that when it's not something that i'm buying from a wholesaler or that i'm buying in bulk if it's just like a one off or two off thing for me i just end up returning it because there's just so much more out there that i could focus my time on um now if i had just bought a pallet of something and it came up then you know i would go through all the steps i had to go through to be able to list it another question that comes up often around actually like starting in July is do you hold stuff and basically hope that it sells for more come Q4? Now I know my stance, but what do you do? I, well, I'm a bit of a hypocrite with this. I always tell everybody do not hold anything, flip that money because that $5 item that you're holding on to in hopes of it being phenomenal You could take that $5 and flip it so many times. On occasion, I have bought things to hold until Q4. But 
I have a lot of capital. So I'm, it's not that much of a risk. If you have limited capital, I suggest not doing that. Like do not hold anything. If you have a limited capital situation, like if you don't have, you know, a lot of money at your disposal, I suggest flip it now, flip things now, do not hold them. Because the money that you're spending on an item to hold right now, so say you bought a $20 Lego with the intent, right now it's only going to make $4, but you think that at Christmas time, it's going to make double. You're holding that capital. You're, you know, it's, it's sitting there not making you money. You want your money to make you money now. So holding, buying and holding, I don't ever really recommend it. I would rather see you spend the money, flip it, make that money, buy more stuff and continue to grow, grow, continue to snowball. Buying and holding is risky. You never know what's going to happen. Say, say you're buying a toy and all of a sudden Target has decided to liquidate that item. And then it sends that item to, so you've paid $12.99 for a toy. Well, then now Dirt Cheap or any of the other liquidator stores have it there for $5. So you're holding this item. It's past the return date with anticipation that you're going to make money on it. But now, you know, it's going for, you know, for $12.99 on Amazon. So then that's just, it's a risk. If you've got limited capital, flip that money, grow that capital. And so when a chase does come out, you've got the money to buy it. Because if you've been holding for, you've got a bunch of Legos that you're holding in hopes of profit. And then all of a sudden you're in one of our groups and someone says, hey, there's a hot chase for this item, like the tech decks, but you don't have the capital to purchase them and you're staring at them in your Walmart. There's no more frustrating feeling. Yeah, that's, I'm the same. I don't recommend it. In fact, I mean, you obviously everyone can do what they want to do with their business, but I would say you should be selling for two or three years before you even think about doing that because you're just going to most likely it's not going to work out in your favor, favor. Mm -hmm. And we just we can assume we know we can assume we think that movie's going to be hot. And like last year, we could have assumed that Avatar was going to be hot. And then this year it's all being marked down in clearance because it wasn't hot. Um, I know the Barbie movie just came out and so we can assume that it's going to be hot, but let me tell you, I used to work at Mattel. They know how to make toys and they're going to make a lot of them so that they can make all that money. So if a Barbie becomes hot, it's going to be very one, very specific one that for whatever reason, they didn't make a lot of. So it's all those kind of things. Little Mermaid, another one. I've been scanning Little Mermaid. None of it's really making money. Why? Because they made a lot of toys. Like, so... Yeah. There's all those things that you can assume or hope, but if you're not going off of any factual, you're just doing a disservice. I didn't yeah. hold anything until last year and it was not, it's not been worked out well for me. I spent like four or $500 on Legos. I did all the research to learn that they are discontinued, but there's so many out there that I might have to hold them another year. So it's just not, it it wasn't worth it. Like Becky said, I have the capital, I could do that, but I don't like it. It's taking up room that I could have in my shed for other stuff that I could be selling, right? It's not about the capital for me, it's about the room. (laughs) Um, If This is a question I just thought of on the fly. So what is one mistake that you've made in Q4 past? Oh, um, my biggest mistake um, was, it was my first year selling. 
during Q4, I had misunderstood information that was said, um, you know, like your when I was told the last day that you want your FB, I wasn't able to sell FBM my first Q4 because back then they had regulations. You had to sell so many items and Amazon didn't track my FBM items properly. You were supposed to sell 25 FBM items, I think, to be able to sell items FBM for Q4. So I had missed that boat. So I wasn't able to do FBM my first year. And something that, you know, we always say is for your items to become your seasonal items to become available by Christmas, you want them sent in by a certain date. In my brain, how I heard it was that's when you stop sending in toys or, or whatever you want, you know, anyways, I stopped. I sold out of everything. You I just had stopped sending else. stuff in. Well, yeah, I thought I was like, that was it. You know, in my brain, I was like, that's it. I'm okay. That's that. Cause I, I take a break during the holidays. Cause I've got five kids. I've got a large family. I started my break too early. I ran out of items. And so I suggest don't stop. Don't stop until just keep going because you think of all the gift cards that get purchased over, you know, Christmas and whatnot toys, things like that are still going to move. They move all year round, but they're going to move. My Januarys are always as big as my Decembers. Mm -hmm. Think of people that don't celebrate Christmas at the same time or don't celebrate holidays at the same time. They may get together with their family after the holidays. Um, I know a lot of retail workers don't do Christmas celebrations until after because they're so exhausted. So don't stop. Just keep feeding the machine. Keep feeding the machine. Get your house in order. Get everything in order so you can dedicate your time to Amazon. So I guess that was my my biggest mistake was just stopping too early. Mine was I went a little bit too deep on some Black Friday deals. That was a mistake that kept on giving because my ROI for the beginning of this year. So that was last Q4. I made that mistake. Um, I was just so excited feeding the bees, sending stuff in like a lot of them were toys that I actually had sold earlier because they were on sale earlier. And so I was just watching for the price to go back on sale for them. And so when mm -hmm. they did, unfortunately, everyone else who was looking at uh, Black Friday deals also got them. And then so the inevitable price thinking on those specific items happened. And so I actually took a huge hit to my ROI through the beginning of 2023 because I still had that stock. And a little bit is on me. I wasn't paying attention to all my items because everything was selling and I didn't realize, oh, wait, some of them are not really selling and maybe I need to move earlier rather than hold out on them because yeah. they never really rebounded in price. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, Black Friday deals. Remember, those Black Friday deals are for everybody. Everybody gets them. I don't buy. I, I, oh, I had a perfect example with those rainbow high dolls there was a multi-pack at walmart that's uh, this is another mistake i guess I've, I've made too i purchased a bunch of these it was a multi-pack and i posted it in the bolo group and someone was like hey the listings for five that has four or vice versa whatever it was um it wasn't exactly even though i scanned the barcode it came up i scanned the front it came up make sure you scrutinize those listings but i personally do not buy any black friday um door crashers at mm -hmm. like walmart target things like that um there was one that i did get at a different store 
that was phenomenal for me, but it was a different store that most people weren't looking at. Um, so I, I really recommend not hitting, you know, go ahead and test the waters, but understand that you are scanning it at the same time as thousands of other Amazon sellers. So, you know, take advantage of the sales where they have like the percent off mm-hmm. and maybe dig for your items there. But like actual toys or, you know, there was some Pokemon card packages that were, I think they were $15 at Walmart. And when you scanned them on Black Friday, they made $15 profit. They didn't, by the time they, by the time I bought them and I listed them FBM, the amount of sellers had doubled the price. I think I ended up making $1.15 on them at the end of the day. And I, I listed them FBM in store. So just they will, you really have to be considerate of where you're purchasing, what type of sale you're purchasing. Okay, Nikki, uh, Monica asked, is it too late to get ungated in the toy category? No, it is not. It's never too late. Um, so I say this example all the time, but I got ungated in October for grocery. And so if you're able to buy from a supplier who can give you the invoice kind of fast, which most suppliers can, you can get ungated in like one to two weeks. It doesn't, it or even less if the supplier ships like next day, like some of the toy suppliers do. So it's never too late to get ungated because first of all, toys sell year round, like Becky said, like they're never going to not sell. They happen to sell more, like you can go up into the higher category rank for Q4. Like I'll go up to even 400 in toy, but the rest of the year I kind of stay at like 200 is my max. But it's never too late to get ungated if you want to get ungated. Like it's always a good investment for your business. I, of course, have guides. I'm sure you guys all know that each guide, the toy guide has three different suppliers. The topical guide has three different suppliers. And then they have groups, a Facebook group, so you can join and ask questions. But it's definitely worth it to get ungated if you have the funds. And it's definitely not too late. Like we're, what are we in August right now? There's still plenty of time to get ungated and get selling for Q4. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, definitely jump on on gating whatever you can get on gated in right now because it's just going to open up your pool of, of being able to source. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the Bolo group, the Q4 Bolo group, because it, it did come up in the questions um, about Q4. So what do you got, Becky? The Q4 group's amazing. I, I can't say enough about it. It's such a tight knit community. And the level of leads that are shared in that Q4 Bolo group are unparalleled my profits i would i would estimate probably a solid 40 to 50 percent of my profits came from leads directly from that q4 bolo group uh it's such a fantastic and supportive community and it's it's typically a higher caliber of sellers as well so you know you're seeing some really solid hardcore leads that are making absolutely amazing profit i'm i'm definitely a fan and i think that's out of all of the groups that um, Nikki has, that is, that's my favorite. And that's the most asked about, like when the people that are in it are like, okay, when are, when are you going to do it again? When are you going to open it up again? So it's not very often you've got an unhappy customer in that group. It's, it's a lot of fun and uh, everybody seems to really profit well from it. So it's opening in two weeks. So it'll be open August 27th. 
it'll be only be open to join for three weeks. So that is one of the things that makes it different and more exclusive because you won't have new members coming in every month like the regular Bolo group. You're welcome to join anytime. It's open throughout the year. And so you have a mix of people coming in and out all the time, right? But this group, we close the doors pretty much mid-September. So Q4 hasn't even totally officially started just yet, but we have our group. And we also have twice monthly live hangout calls. So they happen over Zoom. So you get to see everybody's face if they turn the camera on anyways. And they're, everyone's asking questions. We're sharing different leads. We're just, you're asking whatever it is that you need to ask. I always say there's no dumb question. We don't know what we don't mm -hmm. know. And so you're never gonna know if you don't ask. And so you really get that, you get to ask in there, you can ask in the group at any point, but it's so much more than a bolo. I mean, the bolos are definitely worth it, like Becky said, but it's so much mm -hmm. more than that. You get this whole community of amazing, awesome sellers. Yeah. You have experienced sellers who come in every year, then you have new sellers. So if this is your first Q4, you are absolutely welcome and encouraged to join. I know Alejandra asked, what are the requirements to participate in the Q4 bolo group? So one, you have to obviously join. And then really all the requirements are is four. So you have to share one bolo, one valid bolo every calendar month. So that is what, four leads that you have to share yeah. for that whole time. And the lead requirements are the same as my bolo group. So it's 150,000 in rank or better. So obviously solid selling ranks, they have to make $5 profit. Amazon can't be selling it. It has to be ungated and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's pretty easy to find a lead. So if you've been selling for a month or a couple of weeks, I am wholly confident that you will be able to share something. So don't let that hold you back. Um, the requirements are pretty straightforward and what you're going to get out of it is so much more, I would say, valuable yeah. than just the cost of it. I agree. I agree. And even just the lives alone, um, there's a lot of experienced sellers. I'm on them all the time. Obviously, Nikki's on them. And so you've got full access and there's some lives that, are, you know, were two, three hours long answering questions, giving advice, you know, and we're all there to roll through the punches that Amazon throw at us. So, you know, we've just gone through with these compliance documents with the backpacks. If Amazon decides to play any games and do anything crazy like they like to do, having that full team um, of support so we can all get through it together is just amazing. And, you know, having the lives and being able to have instant answers to your questions and, you know, I've walked away from every live that we've had and I've learned, learned things. There's, there's just so much knowledge out there to be given. We've all had our own experiences with selling on Amazon. So being able to share in those experiences with everybody, it's just, it's amazing. It's helping you support your business and build your business. So it's, it's, and the fact that people can't come and go, it's almost, it creates like a safe space. And more often than not, you see sellers sharing multiple leads per month. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just. It's more of a safe space, not that any other place isn't a safe space, but it's, you know, that that community is there from day one to day done. So that part is, is really fantastic. One of my most profitable items last year, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about it was a bundle that I made on my own. And I did a video recently for it because everyone was asking about how to make them. I literally learned how to make them like because you hit this glitch where it won't let you put the brand or it wants a UPC, right? And we don't have that. And so I never knew how to get around it. It was in one of these live hangouts that another seller on the call who had the experience 
said, all you do is this. It is literally yeah. that simple. I'm learning myself in there all the time. And so because of these live hangout calls, I learned how to do it. And I had the most profitable item, which was a bundle I created. So I'm the only seller on it. And it just turned out great. But I would have never known really how to do that without like digging through the internet and trying to find it without someone just freely sharing it. And that's what happens in these calls. So I think Another question Angie had was like, what's the difference between the Bolo group and this Q4 one? It's these hangout calls, really. It's like, since it's closed, it's a tighter knit community. It's limited in capacity. So there'll only be 200 sellers in it. Um, and all these kind of things just make it different. It's kind of hard to say, but it's just different. Yeah. yeah, it's just different. And I, you know, I really think the fact that it's the same faces, it's the same people, the entire time from day one to day done. So you've got the entire Q4. It feels like you've got a whole team going into Q4 and the faces aren't interchangeable. Like when it comes to the regular bowl group, people will come and go and, and, you know, they, there's a lot of the, the same, the same people in it, but with your, with your Q4. Done. So we're all, all in it to learn. We're all learning. There's so much information that gets given out um in these lives and just the the community it's just it's always been a fantastic community and the profitable items it's unreal and personally it's it's just it's my favorite group and it's they people have been asking about it since i feel like march april yeah. you know it, when are you opening up the q4 group when are you opening it up because it's such a positive experience everybody that walks away from it is is you know feels like a million bucks because there's certain items that you never would know about so stay tuned that is opening in i think it's just mm -hmm. under two weeks actually but august 27th it'll be opened all the way through september 18th or if it fills up to 200 because i am going to close it at 200 to keep it that smaller um community so becky what is your one piece of advice to sellers if this is their first q4 my one piece of advice really you know, I, I mentioned it earlier in the group, get yourself familiar with FBM. If you haven't already, FBM, FBM, FBM. If you're scared, I bet you were scared to start selling on Amazon, but get, look at you, you're selling on Amazon. Do it, figure it out, do it. Um, if you have questions, Nikki and I are both in the groups. If you're not part of the Bolo group or any of Nikki's groups, you need to join up because there's just such a wealth of knowledge there. There's so many other sellers that answer questions before Nikki and I can get to them a lot of the times, but get yourself comfortable with FBM. Get yourself set up on a nice shipping template that makes sure you're making money. And honestly, that I, I can't preach FBM enough because there's just so much money to be made in the month of December alone from mm -hmm. FBM. What about you, Nikki? What's your number one piece of advice? Plan to be exhausted. Tell your family yeah. you'll talk to them later. Like it's just, <laughs> you just are going to be going, 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 going. It's nonstop and it's kind of a long time you'll be nonstop for like eight weeks right but then yeah. there is the light at the end of the tunnel and you might have fomo because we all have our capital capacities so we only have what we can spend right and so if you yeah. if you're limited on your funds make smart buys do all your research limit risks as much as you can test small amount mm -hmm. of products um 
and just take notes and keep learning on how you can grow for the next Q4. Cause I promise you after the first Q4, you're definitely going to want to do it again next year. Cause you'll learn a lot. But as I said, the number one thing that I, whenever I hear from, or I ask, what would you change if this was your first Q4? It's that they run out of stock too soon yeah. because things get crazy real fast. And so it's going to be a slow lead up to it getting crazy, but it will get crazy. And all of your stock, if you don't have a lot of it, is going to sell out really fast. And you're going to kind of be losing out on all those sales if you can't get more. So definitely just plan to be tired, plan to do it anyways, even though you're tired, and just send as much stock as you possibly can. That was a lot of tips. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, it's, I couldn't agree more. That's, you know, really plan out. You're going to be tired. I planned last year on sourcing right until Christmas. And I think December 14th, that was my day. I, I came home from sourcing and said, I'm done. And that was it. And it was just, I was just done. So, you know, really keep your mental health in check. Make sure if you're burnt out, step away for the day, you know, take your time, get yourself back, especially those of you that are um, handling a, a nine to five at the same time or those mamas that have all the babies at home and all this, everybody that's juggling multiple things, you know, really keep your mental health in check. Don't overextend yourself financially. That is like, Nikki said that too, like, you know, capital's capital. Do not go crazy. Don't go mortgaging your house and opening up new credit cards and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, tighten up the reins on what you're going to buy. If you've only got $1,000 in capital or $500 or whatever you've got, make the make that money, make the most money for you. So find the best bang for your blood. Well, thank you, Becky, so much for joining me for this podcast to answer everyone's questions. Um, as she mentioned, you can tag us if you're in any of my groups. Feel free to tag us at any point with any questions. There's no dumb questions. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, will you do me a huge favor and subscribe or follow the podcast? And if you want to go one step above and leave me a review, it would mean a lot. So thank you guys so much for listening. Until next week, happy sourcing.